Okay, so bringing the inner child to grown-ups playground. <laughs> uh, we have a guest here, by the way, with us. It's the giraffe. And I'll speak of the giraffe in a little while. So for most of us who have had um, and have led difficult childhoods, difficult in a way where we've had to parent uh, ourselves in the best that we knew then, um, where a lot of our emotional needs, our physical needs have not been met, where we've found ourselves in places which have felt unsafe, whether those are our, uh, our bodies or our homes or our schools. Um, the different circumstances which lead to these feelings, but we've had those feelings. Um, another thing about the inner child is that um, when we speak of uh, difficult feelings and the fact that our emotional needs and our physical needs have not been met, uh, it doesn't mean necessarily that we've been through traumatic events. Um, but the emotional needs not having been met does not mean you've been traumatized. It's just that there is some essential basics that a child needs. And if those essential basics, the need to be seen, the need to be heard, the need to do not uh, prove their worth, the need to not earn their love from their parents, from their siblings, from their teachers, the need to be seen in their awesomeness and being uh, supported in their uniqueness and being uh, not isolated uh, when they don't fit in. All of these are very valid emotional needs and most of us have not had those met. And as we grew up, then we grew up to be individuals who are constantly looking on the outside for that kind of validation in our relationships and our workspaces and our relationships where we want to be seen without speaking, where we want to be heard uh, even when we're not saying the words that we really want to say. And the constant question, the underlying question that we keep asking our partners or from our parents or from our uh, close family members is, do you not see, like that's the underlying question, although we're not saying it, but do you not see the heart of who I am? Do you not hear the words that I'm not saying? Uh, which is, of course, an unfair space to be in for the other person because we're looking for validation for our unmet emotional needs, which were not met when we were children, from grown-ups on the outside, and they can't do it. Even when we begin to speak the words, they can't do it. Um, an unhealthy um, inner child also uh, comes to life as uh, one which is in dysfunctional relationships, in either relationships with anxious attachment, where they need to be constantly um, validated in their relationship, where they get anxious when they're far, far apart, when uh, you know a, a text has not been answered, or um, they're constantly on the lookout for their partner's change in moods or a parent's change in moods. So this is they constantly want to be reassured. Uh, and, and their love to be reaffirmed uh, by the people that they love, and that's anxious attachment. And the other style of relationships which unhealthy inner, uh, people or grown-ups with unhealthy inner children um, get into are anxious detachment um, or a, a avoidant detachment because what they do then is they run away and uh, instead of talking about their feelings and instead of... Um, putting their emotions out there, uh, they tend not to talk about it and just become very, very quiet. Um, those are mostly good children. And the second style is avoidant or detachment, where uh, 
those with unhealthy inner children begin to detach themselves from the relationships. So they are in a relationship or with their partners, with their parents, uh, with their close loved ones, with their friends, uh, but they don't engage emotionally. Um, they tend not to voice their feelings. They tend to hide. They tend to become more quiet. Um, so both of these um, styles, whether it's anxious attachment or avoidant detachment, all of these, both of these are uh, reflective of the emotional needs which were not met. So what does it mean then to bring our inner child to grown-ups playground? Uh, we're not doing it with an audience in mind, we're doing it for us. And there are a few steps to it. And in uh, my point of view and my own learning as well, um, because I've had to parent my inner child, I'm still parenting my inner child. Uh, as of yesterday, I still have been. <laughs> um, so the first one is that the f uh, we need to recognize, for us to recognize and be aware of the fact that there is a child inside of us that I will now need to parent. I will now need to parent the younger self that I have within me. And I will need to parent them in the way that I was not parented. So I will, and what I do with it, uh, with, with my inner child, um, is that I tune in to my heart space and I um, recall my uh, picture of when I was, say, five or six years old. I carry that picture uh, on my phone as well. I have it as a constant reminder of this little girl who's inside me. Uh, the other tip also is to paste that picture on your bathroom mirror uh, because that's uh, how we begin our, usually begin our mornings. So um, I have that girl in front of me and there are um, the two as the two parts to it. The first part is I want that girl and I began my journey by asking that girl, uh, little Madiha, to speak to me of what she was uh, feeling, what she had been feeling. Um, you know, where she had been asked to remain quiet, where she'd been shut down, where she'd not felt seen and she'd not felt heard. And you just listen to the story because there's a lot of subconscious and even unconscious memories that we would not have had unless we begin, until we begin to have that conversation with our inner child. And as she begins to speak and tells me of what she'd been feeling, I begin to recall the instances and the moments where she first began to feel that way. So almost like tracing this back to the scene of the crime. Uh, so one part of it is listening to the inner child. And the other part of it is as you listen to the inner child, because what I'm doing here is I'm parenting her. Um, so when I as I listen to, her, to, to my little Madiha, there is no judgment. There is no want to change her point of view. Not ifs and no ifs or buts or, oh, did you see it from that perspective? No, just listen and validate. So mostly when she's telling me her story, which is basically me remembering, um, I'm saying, yes, you're right, I understand. I understand. Oh, wow, really? I understand. And when things get emotional, which they will, because this is your childhood and this is your foundation, this is your beginning, where you were not given what you uh, deserved, um, you begin then to tell her that, do you know, and that's the second part of it, how we begin to parent, do you know that you are loved? And do you know that you are adored? Do you know that you are seen? I see you. I hear you. I love you. I love the person that you are. I love the beautiful girl that you are. 
Look at your beautiful hands. Oh my God, look at your beautiful heart. Look at how it's shining. I love how you speak. I love how your eyes sparkle. I love how you squint against the sun. Say these words to your own inner child as often as possible. That's one part. And the second part is as we, um, in our grown-up bodies, as we uh, push ourselves into the day, um, with our grown-up selves, how do we take our inner child with us? Um, there are two different ways of doing that. The first one is uh, we're very critical of ourselves as grown-ups. Uh, we're very hard on ourselves as grown-ups. Uh, we have an inner critic that's uh, raging and very well-fed and uh, very, uh, you know, very well, very well-voiced <laughs> with a, with strong opinions about what you should do and should not do, and where you have failed and where you have faltered and where you have not faltered. So there's a bit, a lot of like that inner critic is uh, quite strong. So as we begin to have those inner conversations in our day, whether we are working or at home, uh, in reaction to what people are saying, in reaction to moments begin to watch the inner conversations that we have with ourselves. Oh, Madhiha, you should not have said that in that meeting. Uh, didn't that make you sound so stupid? That's where I stop myself and say, wait a minute. When I'm saying, oh, didn't that make you sound so stupid? I'm actually saying that. And I pull the image of my six-year-old self in my hands. Like, I'm saying that to this little girl. And when I change my inwards, when I change the person that I'm saying it to from the grown-up Madhya who can handle anything to a six-year-old Madhya who I'm saying, my God, how stupid was that? Would you say that to a six-year-old girl who's standing there innocent and uh, completely actually feeling quite trapped in her stupidity that you're imposing on her? Would you say that to a six-year-old? No, you would not say, oh my God, Madhya, that was so stupid of you. You say, Madhya, um, you know, we, uh, first of all, everything is okay. Second of all, you are super smart and you're very intelligent and you're loved. And third of all, there's nothing. Move on. There wouldn't be that conversation that we begin to have ourselves with ourselves inside. That we would not have that conversation if we were having it with a six-year-old. So watch the, the inner critic as it flares up in everyday moments. And I'm just giving you one example in a work moment, but similarly of relationships. Uh, when we hear people voicing out their opinions of us and we uh, turn that into our opinions, uh, their, uh, opinions about ourselves and we judge ourselves very harshly uh, or when we make mistakes and we know that we've messed up and the, the way we hold ourselves so deeply accountable at such a harsh level with a very little sense of forgiveness in all of those moments instead of when we having those inner conversations if instead of um, believing or thinking that oh this is a grown-up self and who can handle this and oh my god uh, you in any case you've messed up a million times in your life and here's another uh, speech for you to tell you uh, exactly how many times you messed up instead of that approach if we can say oh okay i'm actually having a conversation with my six-year-old self and what is the thing that that six-year-old self most needs to hear and you will see you will see that the more conversations you have within yourselves to your six-year-old self the less your outside circumstances will trigger you into being your own critic. That inner critic will begin to die down little by little because you are prioritizing the inner child that you are 
and not paying a lot of heed to the grown-up self who you have come to believe can handle anything. So those are the two aspects. For me, my closest uh, understanding of what that inner child feels like because, because we are energies, because um, before actions there are feelings and because each feeling is a vibration and because a uh, constant movement, constant vibration creates a frequency. Um, so I would, I like to understand these concepts more as frequencies, as feelings first. So what does the inner child feel like? Um, and the more we tune into the feeling of the inner child, the easier it is for us to translate that in form of actions on the outward. So for me, the feeling of the inner child is one, a sense of wonder. That for me is very strong. I imagine and I visualize my little Madhya as like eyes wide open, looking out into the world every morning as she wakes up. What is this day going to bring today? You know, what am I going to be experiencing today? What adventure will I be having today? How many different adventures will I be having before my first cup of chai? So the sense of wonder that you then bring to your work. How is today's meeting going to turn out? Or what is this interaction? Which, because the word boring in a true inner child space does not exist. So this meeting that you don't want to be in, ooh, what does this meeting have to give to me that I'm not seeing? I wonder, I wonder. Or um, how do you bring that to relationships? I wonder um, how I can show up differently today or how I wonder how my partner will show up differently today. So just this energy of wonder changes the expectation within relationships and changes the energy uh, within relationships and within moments. So one for me is a sense of wonder and the other one is a sense of innocence. And the sense of innocence is not stupidity, but a sense of innocence is I has a has a frequency of faith and a frequency of trust more than faith, frequency of trust in it. I trust that this morning in which I have woken up has the power to carry me through. I trust that in this moment that I find myself in, there's got to be something good in this for me. That's not naivety, that's innocence. The sense of innocence that helps you navigate through difficult moments in your life. I wonder uh, what this moment has to offer to me because I do trust the fact there's something good in this for me. So the sense of wonder, there's a sense of innocence and a purity of heart, which is a big word, but for me that translates very simply into when I look at another soul who's having a human experience, so when I look at another human being, I'm going to try my best as much as I can to look at them through the eyes of God, which are the eyes of love. So instead of, and there's so many filters of judgment that we have um, as women as well, because we have our protective uh, energy fields around us, especially when it comes to men. So I... Instead of judging, instead of looking at people through eyes of judgment, looking at men through eyes of judgment, looking at 
strangers through eyes of judgment. Oh, I don't know whether I can trust them or not. Oh, I don't know what kind of person they are. Oh, look what clothes they're wearing. I wonder what. No, look at all of them if we can through a purity of heart, which means to the eyes of God, as God would look at them. Now, that, of course, is an elevated experience, and God knows I don't know how to do that, even a little bit of it. But I love the feeling of knowing what it feels like, and I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. We can practice doing that on our children um, because that's where it comes naturally or on people that we love a lot. That's where it comes naturally. It's practicing looking at them through the eyes of God and then little by little, and it is little by little, transferring that on the rest of the world, looking at the rest of the world through the eyes of God, sense of innocence where there's nothing bad that's going to happen to me they're not going to take anything away from me they're not I don't have to fight for anything and I don't have to snatch anything away from anybody there is just plenty for everybody it's wonderful I trust that this place has everything that I'll ever need right now in this moment and I trust myself to step into this moment with a sense of um, with a purity of heart knowing that uh, no matter what I am beautifully protected I am beautifully um, taken care of and there's abundant sustenance for me everywhere, in every way. Not sustenance just from a, a physical nourishment perspective, but sustenance, one that feeds my soul, feeds my heart. So that for me, the sense of wonder, the innocence and a purity of heart is the frequency of the inner child. I first came into contact with this inner child space. How do you do that, right? So I first... How do you bring it more often to life? So I first came into contact with understanding how we do that more often through a children's book. And it's called Giraffe's Can't Dance, which is why we have our, I hope we can see it, I don't know. Um, uh, there's this unexpected friend that we have, I don't know. It's a giraffe, okay. And this Giraffe's Can't Dance is a book that I would read for my to my little, to my daughter when she was little. Um, and it's this fantastic book which is about a giraffe who goes to uh, a jungle party where all the animals, it's big like a gigantic dance competition and all the animals have shown up and they know their moves. They're tangoing and they're like salsaing and rock and rolling. And this giraffe with his skinny legs and this long neck does not know how to dance. He's falling over, he's tripping over, everybody's laughing at him and so he goes away, he leaves that dance party and goes away on his own and he hears a cricket sing and as the cricket begins to sing and it's an unusual song right a cricket song it's not a normal kind of melody but as the cricket no other music had inspired that giraffe but as the cricket begins to sing the giraffe's uh, giraffe finds his name is gerald so um the giraffe finds his legs um uh, they start to move and he starts to move. And he starts to move in this really beautiful um, rhythm that comes naturally to him, supporting his long legs and the long neck. It, they come, the rhythm comes naturally to him. The body moves more naturally to the cricket song rhythm. And the animals come here because the, they begin to surround him. And they're in awe of how fantastically different Gerald's dance is. And they ask them to, you know, it's like, oh my God, where did you learn that dance? And I love this line that Gerald says, says in the end. It's like, we all can dance if we find the music that we love. 
So how do we bring the inner child to the grown-up's playground? By doing more things um, that we love and doing them more often. And doing them not for applause, not for validation, not for um, somebody praising you, but doing them because they feel good. Doing stuff from your heart, growing things from your heart because it feels good and it's uniquely you. I first began to reclaim my inner child when I picked up my diary and my pen and began to write poetry. And it was poetry that will never win any prizes or any competitions. Um, at that time, I did not have a plan for it to be on any blog. I was just writing poetry and the sheer act of creating that space at midnight after my daughter would sleep, lighting a candle, picking up a pen and writing words which I've not read anywhere before are so uniquely me. That was the first step in me reclaiming my inner child. Then distancing myself more from social engagements, which were not benefiting me, where I was showing up because I felt like I had to do it either for corporate networking or for social networking. I distanced myself from that place and I honored my needs enough to know that I don't want to show up in places where I'm looking only to fit in. I want to show up in places and only those places which feed my soul. And I realized that the the place that fed my soul the most was solitude. <laughs> so I began, I distanced myself. I didn't have a lot of friends uh, at that time. And even now, I don't, don't have big circles. So I distanced myself because I chose to do right by me. And then I chose to have dreams. And that's how you do begin to do right by your inner child as you begin to parent that inner child back to life. And the third thing was I began to dream of things which were impossible and impractical for grown-ups. I began to dream of those things and I did them. They did materialize for me and I did them successfully because I was dreaming that dream not to get something but for the pleasure of an adventure, for the pleasure of an experience which made sense to me. So more and more as we begin to reclaim our inner child and we begin to show up as authentically ourselves which means which I do by the way which means that when you are in a meeting and you've said something that you really like something you know you've solved a problem or you've seen an insight that you hadn't seen before and there are five other people sitting there no matter what the hierarchy in that meeting I do this I said pause it's like oh my god it's like I guys I need a moment to myself Everybody who works with me knows this. Guys, I need to have a moment for myself. And so I was like, Madiha, what a fantastic, I love that you thought of that. I love how amazing that is. I'm super excited about it and I'm very well done. So I do, I pat myself, I hug myself, I say very well done. I give my, in a meeting, so I'm bringing my inner child to the grown-up playground and I am validating my own self uh, without and when I do that, when I validate my own self in all the little um, accomplishments that, I, that make me feel good, then I'm never going to wait for validation from others. I'm not going to ask for that praise and those breadcrumbs from others because I am nourishing myself in this particular space myself. So I do that. And if it means that 
uh, when you feel really excited, I get up and start clapping because it feels good. And you know, the beautiful thing about this is you may think as I'm talking about it, that it feels weird. It might must look weird. A couple of times, yes. But the third time, the third time, the energy is contagious in that room. I'm not saying other people are going to stand up and start clapping, but there's a sense of lightness. Again, no matter what the hierarchy, there's a sense of lightness of everybody else connecting with the frequency of the inner child that comes in. Everybody relaxes a little bit more. Everybody opens up a little bit more, which is the frequency of the inner child. It's an open frequency. It's an inviting frequency. It's an explorative frequency. It is a receiving frequency. Because you're not doing things to get things. You're doing things because it feels right It for you. It feels good here in your heart. And that's such a pure way. Such a pure way of doing things. Such a pure way of expressing yourself. Uh, being the inner child or bringing your inner child to the grown-up playground also means that, um, for me, it means this podcast. For me, it means showing up and talking about what feels good with a camera in a space in a an empty room and uploading it and having no people to watch it it doesn't matter i don't care i love talking about this because it means something to me i look forward to my tuesdays or wednesday recording sessions um, i have my cup of coffee you know i ask my friend who is this amazing person in the office like help out set up the camera and the mic um, I just, I dress differently, a little bit more differently. I like, I put on some earrings, whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, it's my podcast today. I feel good. I'm doing it for me, for nobody else, but for me. So all of these things that we begin to do for me, none of these, but all of these are experiences. All of these are moments. They're not things related. So that's the other thing. Inner child does not mean that we've got to um, buy things and go places and like spend a lot um, it can mean that if you want it to, but it really doesn't because those those are symptomatic of other um, challenges that we underlying challenges that we may have and we may not be ready to look at. But inner child is all about experiences. It's all about feeling uh, this feeling of richness and of feeling abundant and of feeling nourished and of feeling excited and you know. And a lot of people comment on grown-ups who are in touch with their inner child. Where do you get this energy from? How are you excited about mundane things? Um, why do you not get bogged down when you have to work on a tagline the fourth time or the fifth time or when you have to work on a concept the fifth time or the sixth time? Because every time, and I'll tell you why, because when you are connected with your inner child, it's not the fourth time or the fifth time or the sixth time. It is, ah, what am I going to discover this time? Or what am I going to discover today? There is no fifth. Nobody's keeping a track. Nobody's counting of how many times you have not succeeded. The inner child perspective or point of view in life is, uh, what am I going to discover this time that I've not discovered before? Not what I've missed out on before. What problem have I missed out or what have I not looked at? No, what am I going to discover this time that I haven't discovered before? And that's exciting, right? That's fun. Bringing your inner child to the grown-up playground also means that you remain true to your other feelings, the feelings which are not exciting. When you, when you feel tired, sleep. When you feel hungry, eat. When you feel like your body is, is, is tensed up, go outside for a walk. 
when you feel like your head is spinning uh, because you know you're stressed out with this particular project take a break instantly respond to what your body is telling you and the 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 more practice that you get in in honoring your body body um, body's needs and emotional needs the closer the stronger your connection with your inner child because see when and look at the look at the dynamics of what a child does when they want something a the child wants it once when they're in pain they cry as grown ups when you're in pain cry <laughs> as children when you are hungry you will stop traffic you will stop parties because the child needs to be fed and child needs their snacks do the same with your food you know feed yourself well um when the child wants to express an idea which excites them they interrupt okay they will perhaps not the best example but when they're excited about their idea they will express it they will not think about how silly it sounds and how how impossible and and you know what would others think no they will express their idea for the sheer satisfaction of expressing expressing the idea they'll do it and that's the same energy that a grown up can bring to the grown up world when they have the inner child um, alive and kicking <laughs> they will speak of ideas in a brainstorming session or at home when you're having a meaningful conversation with people that you love um you will speak it you will speak what's in your heart you will not agree for the sake of agreeing and you will not agree for the sake of resolving an issue and moving on because you know you know that turns into resentment and bitterness and then disease and then other things so we they speak your heart do it with kindness do it with the energy of the inner child which is that a wonder of little of innocence of purity of heart as much as we can but express your emotions authentically do not box them do not hide them do not pretend to be okay when you're not okay that's a disconnection from our inner child because then we're not validating our own emotions and what we are teaching ourselves is uh, some emotions are good and other emotions are bad and by calling some emotions bad we are suppressing them and getting them to turn into insomnia or migraines or panic attacks or um whatever different forms that they'll end up taking your you know ibs whatever so honor your inner child by honoring your physical needs and your emotional needs honor your inner child by being authentic to your emotional and physical needs and do it honor it when it's inconvenient to be honored uh when there are difficult energies around you when you're difficult moments choose to honor your needs first because that is the only way that we can show up in relationships at work in life authentically and constant constantly if we don't if we do not prioritize our emotional needs if we do not prioritize our inner child we can fake our way into sustaining relationships and sustaining our careers and sustaining our life for a little amount of time but they are not sustainable because they will crumble they will crumble because when we don't prioritize ourselves we cannot take care of another human being when our inner child is not nourished we cannot nourish another human being when our cup is not full we cannot give to another so when we say 
you know, fill your own cup. What we're actually saying is nourish your inner child, honor it, spend time with it, love it, validate it, spend time with it, which is all you, and um, bring it with you when you're playing grown-up, grown-up, <laughs> when you're playing your grown-up role in the grown-up's playground and see how the dynamics of that playground change. And they will, because kindness begets kindness. Innocence begets innocence. A sense of wonder is infectious. Purity of heart is contagious. Do it. Much love.